Welcome to the show, everybody. It's the Naked Marketers. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Megan Strand. Hey there. And Dane Christensen. Hello. And, uh, and uh, see, I did it all backwards. Uh, now I'm supposed to say, and we are the Naked Marketers. I'm, I, you know, I, I, got, I got shaken. I think I need a hug. Um, you, so we, we, have, uh, we have lots of great So We have way too many great stories uh, to talk about uh, today. Too many great examples of, uh, of, of uh, awesomeness. And we're going to start with our uh, weekly Facebook check-in. <laughs> That's pretty much what we do, isn't That's it? That's pretty much what we do. We, have, we do have a lot of Facebook stories, so let's get right to it. So the, one of the news stories, uh, we found an ad age, and it's talking about Facebook turning likes into an ad. So essentially what's happening with something they're calling sponsored stories is that Facebook is enabling advertisers to um, sort of double up on impressions that happen when a consumer does something like likes a brand, likes a page, checks into a location, um, if they want to get more play on a post that they make. So they've they've come up with a, I believe it's a right-hand column um, little thing that says sponsored story. And so it's user-generated though. So if somebody likes um, Starbucks as the example, um, and Starbucks has purchased this sponsored story, it's going to show up on a right-hand column under a sponsored story. So not only will it occur in your friend in your feed from your friends because somebody just liked this, it will also sort of have a redundancy and show up on the right-hand side, depending on settings and what the advertiser has chosen. So um, interestingly to me, one of the things that could happen is that if you post something and you check into Starbucks and you say, I really hate this place, that would essentially appear. Um, of course, Facebook gives advertisers the option to only post likes, for example, um, so it would always be positive, but um, that is an option that um, is available. So I think it's very interesting. It's user-generated content that's being promoted um, well, is it is it real? I mean, users aren't actually creating anything. Well, they're not creating anything, but they, it's based on their actions. Right. But there are there so, are a couple of options that, like, if if they do, there's another something called application play and page posts that is also under the sponsored story feature. So, like, if I post something, if I'm Nike and I post something on my Facebook page and I want to promote it more than just posting it on my Facebook right. page, I could also post that under sponsored stories, which would kind of amplify it. Um, or if I have some sort of app. Um, there's something um, that will that will plug into to a specific app on my Nike page as well. Right. So um, so what I'm looking right now. Things. Well, I'm on it right now. I'm on. I found an ad. I'm on my profile, and there is an ad with a like uh, below it. Now, it, mm-hmm. what's what's great about the ad, I think, from an advertiser's perspective, is that you know, in this case, it's for uh, Ink Pop, dreaming of becoming a young adult writer. Authors are getting discovered at Ink Pop. Expert advice and feedback from publishers for top works. And so, is that a post? No, no, it's an ad. It's on the right. It's under sponsored, it, and uh, and below it, it says like. And twenty one thousand eight hundred and forty nine people like this. So mm-hmm. practically, the benefit is this: I paid. If I'm Ink Pop, I pay for my ad and I pay for those those initial impressions, and I don't pay the twenty one thousand eight hundred and forty nine people who liked it to insert my ad into their feed by virtue of clicking like, 
right? You see that? So I essentially get my paid impressions and I get even more targeted impressions right. for free, essentially, right. because they clicked like. And those are, exactly. those are ideally even more focused and more targeted because those are people who are directly related to my brand. And hopefully they will uh, hopefully they they associate. Yeah, they, they hang well, out in the cabal of young adult writers out there. <laughs> well, and I think this, I think the brands that will do well with this have a great blossoming Facebook community already. So they know what typically gets posted. They know that it's useful information or helpful. Those are the brands that'll be able to leverage this, I think, pretty well um, and, and leave it open. You know, let people post what they, you know, you know, use that um, check-in feature and, and have that be one of their sponsored stories or what have you. You so. think letting people comment is a good thing? Because clearly Inkpop did not. I mean, if twenty nine or 21,000 people... Well, that could have just been a post. That might have been a different thing. Like, there are are four different categories that they can use. They can use page likes and check-ins, application play, and page posts. So they can can check, they can choose something different. Right, but in some of those ads, like, some of those ads, you can, like, you see in the examples in the Ad Age ad, the screenshot actually shows right below the ad somebody who comments about, you know, Starbucks. Right. And, and I, you know, I think that's interesting to actually have comments show up in this in the sponsored post column. Exactly. Um, no, I think that. Yeah, I think that might have actually been a check in. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, I think it was probably a check in and because it, it was a comment and a check in. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. Anyway, no, I, I think it's, it's really the first comment. Jeff Greenhouse on the Ad Age um, uh, on the Ad Age article um, posts. Uh, I see a lot of brute force in all of these advertising quote experiments from Facebook lately, and not much finesse. Oh, and, people are not are not happy about it in the comments. If you read through the yeah. comments, it's it's because essentially what people are upset about is that you are using my behavior on Facebook. And you're cluttering the stream by putting more ads, A, and B, you're, you know, I, you, I'm not giving you permission per se, except for the fact that I'm a Facebook user, to use my comments as an ad. But that's essentially what happens. And there's no opting out of this one, people. No. There's no opting out of this one. <clears throat> no. So, Dane, tell us um, how Facebook is doing for uh, their click-through rates is talking about Facebook ads. Uh, well, they're down. And th- there's a couple of reasons why. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how many people uh, listening uh, do advertising on Facebook, but um, you know, it's a Facebook ad uh, click-through rates in 2010 were 0.05%. That's down from 0.06% in 2009. Mm-hmm. So that seems somewhat in- insignificant. But put that up against um, sort of the industry average um, of 0.10%. Facebook ads are. A little trickier. Um, it's pretty tricky advertising, and I've, I've, you know, the difference in my experience between what's worked well and what's not worked well is, is, um, you know, it's kind of murky. It, it's, it's still kind of hard to predict a new campaign's performance. But one of the things that happened is this last year, the top advertisers on Facebook increased their spend tenfold. So wow. people who've figured things out. And uh, who have committed lots of dollars to Facebook are ramping up. That makes it a little harder in the current, you know, design of of the uh, uh, the layout, I guess, and and their advertising program. I think it makes it harder for the smaller business to compete. Um, you know, Google, which is such a more complex system, um, is I think is a lot easier for a smaller business you know, to jump in and to find ways um, to actually get performance at smaller levels. But Facebook's 
obviously it's sort of like a rich get richer. That's what it looks like right now. Mm. But there is one thing. Here's here's a note here. Um, it campaigns that are based on um, targeting people who like something or like a product. Um, so you're you're targeting a group, and and you're able to have your ads show up with you know some of your friends like this. So that an example in an article I'm looking at is Oregon Duck Fanatics, and it's um, what we don't have any of those. Yes, right. <laughs> I know they're just a few, a few of them. Um, anyway, it's it's a company selling you know gear and shirts and whatever, and then underneath the ad, it's got shows that four of your friends and list them you know like this. So it's so whatever the product is, right? Whatever the the company it is, you're targeting people who like your page. So it's it sort of you know it it requires you to build a fan following for your product or your company. And then um, execute the ad campaign and execute it targeting people who like um, or who are friends of people who like the, uh, the product or the, or the page, right? That gets, that gets by far the highest uh, performance rate. So little side note there for, well, for and you. Weren't there, weren't there certain categories that did okay? Um, yeah, there were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tabloids um, and blogs. Wow, that says right. a lot about our society. Was point one six five percent, and media and entertainment was point one five four percent. Right. Yeah. And and, and um, the theory is, since many Facebook users are visiting the site to entertain themselves, brands yeah. and categories likely to provoke discussion have the highest click through rates. Smutty discussion. Well, that's oh, your that opinion. Maybe what you're interested news. in. Yeah, that's I'm part of that click through stat. Well, it'll be interesting <laughs> because ad revenue at Facebook is like through the roof. I mean, it advertisers don't care that it's not performing apparently because well, what that, are they up to? 2.19 billion um ad spending on Facebook will reach, will reach 2.19 billion in 2011 and close to 4 billion worldwide. That's insane, you guys. Well, and the truth is, I have I have campaigns running on Facebook that are outperforming my Google campaigns for the same, you know, company, product, brand, whatever. My click-through rates are higher on Facebook. Uh, my cost per click, but my conversion is is higher better. and compensates. So, yeah, I, I've got a client saying, "Let's spend more on Facebook," and well, it's that's gotten more expensive to do it. That's because you deal in smut, Dane. That's why. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, I, I won't name this client. Just they're in Russia. No, I'm just they're, they're in Russia. <laughs> Nice. They're they're an above board, uh, non discussion provoking uh, ad client. So what, what was I reading? I mean, I can't. I thought it was in this article, uh, the uh, Brand Week article, but I may be totally missing it. It was. It said that of the uh, total um, uh, uh, total ad revenue generated, the vast majority of of that revenue is still coming from small to medium sized businesses. Mm, uh, I and, think it, yeah, and, that might have been a different article, which I think is I think is so interesting. I mean, it's just it uh, to me that signals that the do-it-yourself sort of ad model and the highly like it's it's as kind of opaque as the as the process is. It still is is approachable enough for small businesses to jump in without a lot of gates, right? Which is great. Yeah. Which yeah, I, I kind of I, that was an interesting comparison though about um, Google Ads though, Dane. Thank you for that because that's that's interesting. You're super welcome. Um, so what else do we have to talk about, Peter? Well, We've got a, a lot of fun C- stories. No, 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 There's a lot of the fun C- stories today. I love the CSI uh, Facebook. <gasps> Let's that talk Dane, about that. Dane. Dane. Oh, me again. Yeah. And Facebook again. 
Well, I, I think this yeah, is our we jumped right over that moment. story. No, yeah, this is an important one. <laughs> well, that's all right. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting. Yeah, we, I mean, th- this is um, this is interesting because this goes obviously beyond just hey, Facebook. You know, for companies, is all about putting an ad up and hoping you get good click through rates. There obviously is so much more to do with the platform, and it's still being sort of worked through and figured out. Uh, what CSI is doing, uh, they had Ubisoft, uh, an amazing game. Um, uh, Creator. CSI the TV show, right? It's CSI the TV show. It's Ubisoft. Uh, the game, um, what do they call them? Producers created the CSI game for Facebook, right? So you go to their the, the uh, CSI uh, page, you play the game, and the 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 way to get through the game, there are certain clues, sort of bonus clues, that you only can get from watching the episode. So so if you're into the game, you like the game, you kind of got to watch the show to get the clues. Uh, to get you know bonus and whatever get get through the game, so that's kind of the deal. Which is um, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, totally brilliant. Well, I mean, and- we talk so much about this online offline tie, and that's mm-hmm. a perfect example, in my opinion, of of a, a great way to leverage you know your online community as well as your you know your actual. I mean, I guess they're not and, 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 actually and here's paying what it, customers, but you know what I mean. To me, here's what it sort of speaks to is is. Um, you know, we can spend a lot of time getting really stuck in like that statistic that we just talked about 0.06 last year, 0.05 this year, cost per click, you know, oh gosh. And you get, you really can get so sucked into things that show you immediate ROI. And this isn't going to do that. This is a lot more integrated. It's a lot more complex and it crosses over between offline and online. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but everything about this says, hey, brilliant, smart way to engage the people who you know are your most important fans and followers i think it's uh i think it's there's another interesting piece to it too which is that that the the publisher and partner for csi here is ubisoft Uh, i mean ubisoft is known for making fantastic platform games i mean they're behind assassin's creed they're behind some uh, some of the tom clancy uh, titles splinter or or, um uh, gosh what is it Michael Jackson experience, uh, Ghost Recon, um, you know, they've got some big titles. And uh, it, it was it struck me, uh, you know, immediately when I saw Ubisoft was the partner for a Facebook game, which I associate right. with Farmville. Right, um, right, right. You know, and Zynga and kind of that specific genre that Ubisoft is putting some money into this partnership, I think is it, it speaks of, um, you know, interest in the platform. Well, and you know what? It also speaks to something we've talked about before, which is, you know, if if the company sort of relies on their own internal team to come up with the most exciting, you know, fabulous Facebook game or, or you know, whatever sort of interactive game, they don't do as well as when they bring in somebody who really understands games. And so you match from right. a marketing perspective, you say who are really, you know, we really need brilliant game people to help us with our ideas. And a lot of companies, honestly, their egos are too large to say, you know, that they know best about their their customers and their product. Well, they do know the most about their customers and product. But when they're trying to get into a realm like, let's tie an interactive game on Facebook with our, you know, our product and our and our customer, um, you you know, you kind of need to reach out. And I, I just think that's been several times that we've been excited about a Facebook game with, you know, offline, um, uh, whatever, offline activity. It's generally been, 
they they hired or used you know a, a company that really knew what they were doing and they created a good marriage there speaking of marriage do let's, let's talk about walmart we don't do that enough let's talk about walmart <laughs> and healthy food that's uh, that's it. this is that. kind of a this is kind of a shotgun wedding uh, the, yes, it is. I, I, you know, sure you can you can get some you can get food that does not does not actively try to kill you at Walmart, but it it is there are other places that you can get better food and and uh, Walmart uh, last week announced a revamp in one of their uh, private labels uh, where they are working to get uh, to reduce sodium, reduce uh, eliminate trans fats, and uh, reduce. Um, sugar uh, processed sugar in uh, across this whole line of their great value foods uh, by 2015 which is by the way you know one product line it's about like what 1200 products it's huge it is huge it it uh. really uh i mean it affects every single department in in this organization or and and so you you cannot underscore or understate the impact uh that this change will have on on the food economy in this country and it it is a uh, it's an interesting um uh, an interesting direction we haven't yet seen kind of how it's going to work like how they're actually going to roll it out uh because they're they're really just starting to uh, to roll out the, or to uh, talk about this new brand and they're talking with their food partners to to start um, you know bringing in the new foods and build the the rubrics and the tests around you know because what what Walmart does is it goes and it tests all the food that's in the store and it looks at all these these stats to see you know are the food partners actually uh, meeting these new guidelines that we've set, and so we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. Uh, but what we do know is they are that their next step is to change the way consumers think about the food that they put in their bodies and in their baskets. Uh, and and I I am really curious to see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, given the nature of the of our country and our own perceptions about food and GMO and well, well, the popular opinion seems to be that Walmart in things like this, when they make big decisions like this, um, it sort of impacts everybody. And exactly. so they make this change. And if they truly, you know, follow through and everything works, you know, I mean, people aren't hurt, we hope, and the food gets, you know, I mean, they're saying things like um, it, it, so this will happen like over five years and, and it'll require a graduated process because American taste buds sort of gradually need to change. I mean, that was one of the things I heard, which I thought was interesting. And it's right. probably true to some degree. Um, but yeah, what Walmart doing this sort of, if, if other, if they're side by side now with products like whatever bird's eye, or I don't know what, um, uh, Swanson, um, banquet, uh, then, um, I don't know what else, but, uh, that, that they're, that they're going to be sort of forced in a way to also, you know, reduce sodium and fat content and that kind of thing. So, right. so that, you know, the, the thing that I actually think is the most interesting and, and the most ambitious is, um, uh, their strategy, I guess, to increase the amount of fresh produce in the stores and to do it, they claim without squeezing the farmers, you know, as Walmart is want to do, um, but actually improving the efficiency in this in the supply chain and and getting into the supply chain, right? 
Right, that would be is, very interesting. Which is very interesting because it requires them to think about uh, about um, you know how where the food is coming from, how far, how long it has to sit in trucks, mm-hmm. whether it's flash frozen, that kind of a thing. Well, and it would be awesome if Walmart would take because you know whatever Walmart does, the whole industry is going right. to have to move toward at least. But it would be great if they could figure out a way. I know it's much more complicated, but figure out a way not trucking vegetables from Florida to Oregon. You right. know, or vice versa. Right. It'd be a, great if they could figure out a way to have at to least grow a oranges regional... in Oregon. Well, to have no, a seasonality. You know what I mean. I'm well, just kidding. Approach. I do. I do. Have a seasonal and more of a regional approach. Right. I mean, you know, it's very yeah, honestly, but oranges from California versus Florida. I mean, you know, yeah, you look at what companies like Burgerville have done. Um, you know, exactly. which is a fast food organization, but. Oh, amazing, is, amazing company. It has an incredible emphasis on, you know, local growers, seasonal and regional product offerings. And Chipotle is doing well with that as well. Exactly. Yeah, they've done a great job with so that. By the way, how did done. you get a picture of Jamie Oliver on your Facebook page, Dane? I never asked um, you about that. And how did you make him cry? I was invited to his New Year's Eve party <laughs> and hung out with him. Okay. Yeah, there's <laughs> got to be a story behind that. Well, yeah. My, uh, my brother-in-law is opening... Um, Chipotle's European expansion, which right now is is a, wow. uh, a place in London in Soho, and Jamie Oliver comes in the store. He likes Chipotle, uh, yeah, and they're does. actually, yeah, he does. Well, um, remember yeah, we talked about that burrito campaign that they did together on Halloween. Right, right, yeah. He's he's friends with the CEO of Chipotle, um, Steve, and uh, I like how you say Steve as if you are also <laughs> you know, friends with the my CEO friends. of oh, Chipotle. He's sort of a, Sort of a big name in this whole, you know, localized right. and fresh food and, you know, um, healthier eating, healthy fast food, that that whole thing. So, Well, you were telling um, me the other day that Jamie Oliver, we ca- I mean, we talk about him here because he's he does some good food work and he cook he cooks a mean uh, a mean dish. But he's 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 a pretty big deal over there. He's a really big deal over there. And he's a great guy. I, I can't really overemphasize. He's he's really a terrific down-to-earth person. But he he's on TV, I, I would say, six hours a day in England. He's got tons wow. of programs. He's got a monthly magazine. Uh, and he's got these huge foundations over there that, that make him just a, a real favorite in the United Kingdom. He, For instance, uh, and he's had this for a while, takes sort of troubled you know, youth out of, you know, they're coming out of sort of a delinquent system or whatever. He trains them. Uh, to cook and then hires them in his restaurants. Wow. So he, he's, he's such not, a good guy. Yeah, very cool guy. And he, w- when I was there um, uh, at his party talking to him, uh, he was telling me that, <laughs> <laughs> that he's, and he's probably here now, but he was just about to move his family to Los Angeles and really? uh, there, I believe now for the next few months. Uh, I don't know for how long, but what they've done is converted a, um, they found like a fast food, like an abandoned fast food restaurant, and they've they're creating like a healthy. Um, they're going to sell healthy food, and and I don't know, like he, I don't know what sort of exact dishes and theme and anything like that. But they're kind of trying to prove that you can do, you know, you can do fast food drive through. And he he came to America for this drive through thing because drive throughs are so huge here, um, and, and to just sort of show that it can be done essentially, you know. So. That's cool. That's great. Yeah, very cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail us, yeah. but I just that just popped into mind. But yeah, we did Walmart um, will definitely be interesting to to watch in that regard, and maybe Jamie Oliver can help him out. Right. Well, it's from a PR perspective, right? If they pull this off, this this is maybe the biggest positive PR thing they they really in the history of Walmart, perhaps. I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, no. really, if they pull it off at the scale that they're they're claiming they will and that people think could happen, yeah, really is one of the biggest positive PR things. You yeah, know, that, that would be amazing. Out so, um, speaking of uh, interesting campaigns and campaigns to watch, Peter, tell us what's happening. Um, tell us what we as marketers could help Zambia do. Oh, this is the best story ever. And yeah, I, I really, I, Dane, I sort of hope you haven't read this story. I just want you to, I, I want you to do this because you do that accent thing that's so I, funny. I did not realize just how terrible my Zambian <laughs> accent was until the pre-show. Uh, this, is, this is a fantastic story from Brand Week. Uh, it, it turns out... Zambia is having a tough time courting tourists. Dane, why do you oh, think, why do you think that is? Um, what is your impression? What is your? I say, I, I, I say, Dane, we have a trip. We are going to go on a cruise, and our destination is Zambia. Two weeks yeah. in sunny Zambia. What do you think? No, right off the bat, I just think you know their beaches aren't what they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> The, and and the nightlife, you know, it used to be so much better. A lot of lights, know. but mostly gunfire. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right. Uh, I know the the war went from fun <laughs> to not fun at all, like overnight. <laughs> well, this is the from the article. Um, uh, Robert Chiara writes: uh, We're just guessing, but the trouble might have been that the real Africa quote, in quotes, uh, which was their old tagline, in Zambia's case, didn't just mean glossy brochure stuff like wild elephant safaris in Victoria Falls, but other noisome tidbits like police brutality, underage <laughs> marriage, and drug-resistant tuberculosis. <laughs> that last one is definitely going to take a bite out of your tourist dollars. That is a trick. And so they are putting a challenge to marketers everywhere. And I wanna, when I say that, I mean that quite literally. Everyone on Earth. Uh, is is invited to uh, be a part of this global contest. Branding tagline. It's a. It's not just a tagline. They need a logo too. And I <laughs> I think the uh, Zambia with the little gap square above the A actually has, nice. is in the running. Uh, they want this to be a quote. Uh, they need to reposition the country as a bucket list destination. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Zambia is welcoming people. Uh, people live in peace and harmony. <laughs> yeah, Despite the 2008 yeah, State Department me. report that warns of unlawful killings, torture, beatings, <laughs> arbitrary arrests, forced labor, and government corruption. Hey, is, it da- is it that different than a trip to Mexico, though? <laughs> well, uh, uh, well, at least to... Uh, <laughs> Right over Z- the El Paso. What is that? Juarez. That's perfect. It's it's. Welcome to Zambia. It's Mexico across the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Juarez, anyway. But you guys, I think <laughs> we should enter because listen, if if we win, you'll get a fifteen day thirty thousand oh, yeah. dollar trip for two to the country. Oh, two. If it were three, it I were would three, say we should. That's we should right. Enter. The site encourages visitors <laughs> to quote get a glimpse of village life, even though, according to one United Nations official, quote marrying off young girls is a tradition here. <laughs> Hold on here. There, that that brings something up here. I think we are three people, but in Zambia, because you're a woman, Megan, you're not. Oh, I don't a count. You aren't actually a person at all. Count. Your property. So, <laughs> I think we're good. I think the, the, the final article line of this article sums it up. What? Them's good winnings, too, given that the average Zambian annual income is $295. Our entry, Zambia. <laughs> Better stay home. <laughs> <laughs> so 
it's oh it's not God. it is not uh it's not funny what's going on uh, across it's not funny but Africa. it's funny that the tourism department thinks that um putting a cute little tagline on it will, uh, will, will save what is what it, is standing you know it makes him. you wonder though like what what if like facebook and and uh you know social media had been around and crowdsourcing i guess in like the last days of Romania and 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 Hungary and maybe the Soviet Union, like what if what what if uh, Nikolai Ceausescu had said, "Hey, you know the economy's going downhill. Uh, there's no goods and services for our people. I I think we may fail soon, but let's just crowdsource to the whole world yeah. some ideas to really ramp this place up." Yeah. Might include logo. I don't yeah, know. Did, did the logo? Did Hosni um, did Hosni Mubarak try a click this if you like me? Okay. <laughs> Should have right. I don't. If he did, I don't think he got many likes. Did not, did not go well. So, Peter, tell us. Also, I know I'm, I keep throwing yeah. these at you, but the, the but um, tell us about the absinthe. Okay, campaign. absinthe. Abs- do you know of, what absinthe is? Well, I had to get a primer from you. I'll, I was I was shocked to know that it was Ill- had has been illegal in the U.S. since 1912 and only became legal to import in 2007. That I did not know. Dane, what? Tell me. You go out to club naked and drink absinthe in, out of test tubes. <laughs> well, can you tell me that? It's a, it's a little more of an expensive liqueur, but um, uh, but I know what absinthe is. See, absinthe uh, to me was the the drink that um, uh, oh gosh, what was the uh, what was the movie with the I'm your, I'm your huckleberry. The Western movie with Val Kilmer, he played uh, the quick draw guy with tuberculosis. Uh, it was a. Uh... I definitely make it a rule to avoid Val Kilmer Western. No, no, no. This was a. Uh, this was uh, This was quite a good one. I'm actually going to find it because what's this is what my impression of 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 absinthe. It is the drink that Western ladies drank until they got themselves addicted and had oh, to be yeah. sent to the sanitarium because yeah. they they had some problems uh, with the Such liquor. A fall- mythical history it has a fantastic it it's absinthe is the liquor with an accent and uh and i think that's uh that's important Did remember you just make that up no 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 this is my impression i'm not this is what i associate absinthe with um and uh and so i'm looking it was from the um man that val kilmer's been in a lot of movies this is amazing <laughs> i am not kidding okay, regardless you. tell us about what they're trying to do with absinthe they're bringing it back in 2007 it became legal and and uh because absinthe has such a storied history uh he is um the, the lucid uh, the lucid name the-, the name lucid lucid.com are trying to bring back absinthe to where better los angeles and so they have this whole campaign uh, called Drink Lucid, Drink Absinthe uh, in L.A. They want to get all the stars to drink, uh, to, to drink uh, absinthe um, and, and bring it back into, uh, into fashion. Well, and the truth is, absinthe really is just uh, whatever. It's just a drink. Um, really not that amazing. But its history is partly just the way it was made once upon a time. Let um, certain things sort of sometimes maybe toxic metals God. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, it was poisonous for a whole number of reasons. Right, had nothing to do with being, you know, whatever. Well, an alcoholic but, drink. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I will tell you, it. The movie I was talking about was Tombstone from 1993, where Val played Doc Holliday, and he said, "Are you going to skin that smoke wagon, or are you just going to sit there and bleed?" Best awesome. line ever. That's okay. right. Moving on. All right. So, um, so absinthe if- is coming back. It's on. It's on the way up. If you haven't had a glass of absinthe, you need to go out and get yourself a glass of neon poison right now today. <laughs> neon green. Yeah, wonder, it is. Yeah, I wonder if they dye it. 
mean, it almost looks like they it's, would. It looks just uh, horrendous. It's like it NyQuil uh, with a kick yeah. in the groin. It's a big bottle, too. NyQuil does have it? a kick. It does. It's like a big... Did you just say <laughs> NyQuil does have a kick? Well, he was saying it's like NyQuil with a kick, and I'm saying, <laughs> you know, if that's your thing, by the way... All right, oh. let's talk about let's talk about our, our favorite ads of the week, yeah, can let's we? Do this that. is our, our new totally random and yet potentially weekly segment exactly. called Our Favorite Ads of the Week. And mine I'm gonna go first because go mine ahead. is not as funny. It is adorable. Yours is adorable. It is adorable. <laughs> it's because it reminds me of my son. It's the Volkswagen totally. commercial The Force. We're gonna post it in the show notes. It is a uh, a fantastic ad from Volkswagen that just captures every bit of just awesome innocence and evil. <laughs> Well done, Volkswagen, and uh, and everybody should go check this ad out. You guys have both seen it, right? Does it make yeah. you tear up just a it's little bit? It's so adorable. It's Dar- adorable. This miniature pint-sized uh, Darth Vader comes walking down the hall, and he tries to use the Force on everything. He's trying to use the Force on a, on a doll sitting on a bed. He's trying to use the Force on the milk to get it to come over to his cereal. He's trying to use the Force everywhere. And then he finally is standing outside trying to use the Force on his dad's new Volkswagen, and his dad actually standing in the kitchen starts the car. Uh, remotely from the key fob and the reaction and you can't even see this kid's face but his body language is priceless it is just it's adorable perfect yeah uh, it's adorable. absolutely worth checking out this ad great job uh, on that spot Dane and the funniest commercial bring it my favorite I'm I'm such a fan of the uh, locally produced <laughs> you know low budget commercials this local is a commercials good one though Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when they go well, they go well. Uh, at least in this one's case. This is a, a fairly new one. Let's see. When was it uploaded? Uh, January, January 20th. 20th. And, and, and it's had, this is the Winnipeg Humane Society. And it's hilarious. It's their Kitty Midnight Madness. <laughs> it's about a minute and a half long. And they, uh, um, it's sort of like it's got the sound and the quality of, you know, your your 2 a.m. local furniture store <laughs> where the furniture store owner's like, come on, bring in your trade-ins. Let's do this. Like he's just on the spot coming up with a brand new deal that was never approved beforehand. You know what? Let's do this. I'm going to throw in, get one kitty, get five for free. It, it's hilarious. It's you know what? I think I think that um I don't I don't know kittens? that it, we got kittens. I don't think that I realized this before. But did, was this done by Winnipeg High School? WHS? I don't know. Oh, that, no, I, it's I've Winnipeg been, honestly, Humane Society. I've been looking Society. for background oh, info, and I can't Humane Society. I can't find background info on it. I think this was a YouTube only. I don't think this ever went on TV. Um, oh, it's it's so obviously funny. this costs kind of nothing to do here. Well, there's a little bit of. Um, video production involved that actually was was is pretty cool but when i found this yesterday i think it had 150,000 views today it has 259,000 so oh, this one's so, spreading pretty fast it's and so, you know it's so great you know to love it cuz it's the humane society it's a nonprofit plus it's clear up in winnipeg and the guy in the commercial just sounds as canadian as they come it is perfect it's totally worth checking out really funny well, awesome. Well, that was great. Anything, what else do we have to talk about? Oh, uh, uh, here, this is just uh, uh, NBC Universal has changed oh, their yeah. logo, and it's stupid. So, That's all. Sure. That's all. And that is all I have to say about that. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, what else do we have to talk about? Anything else do we have to talk about? I think those are the big ones. I think for, those are the big this ones. This week, yeah. Week. It's, it's been good, a fun week. Good to talk to you people. Uh, Dane, yeah, where? where oh, I got a postcard from President Obama. You uh, did? I did. Can I tell you what he wrote me? What did he write you, Peter? Uh, thank you for your support and friendship. 
We made Your history. Friendship. We made history together in 2010. And I look forward to continuing that work in the weeks and months ahead. Why didn't I get a postcard? Happy oh, New Year from my family. Oh, because there's a Republican that lives in my house. That's my family. <laughs> <laughs> he wished me a happy New Year. Of course, it's February 3rd, but uh, I sure appreciate that. And his family is just so happy about this card. You should see the picture. They're all so very happy. You're so connected, Peter. You know what? Here's what's funny about this. And I bring this is why I bring this up. It was from a really uh, fantastic uh, marketing campaign. They actually, I got an email and it said, if you would like to receive a personal postcard from the president, please fill in your name and address here. (laughs) And I thought, what an interesting thing. I I would like to get a postcard from the president. You know what? I'm going to start doing that. They sent me I'm going to put an ad in the paper that says, if you'd like (laughs) to receive a Christmas card from Dean Christensen. Please fill in your name here. (laughs) Just let me know. I'll be happy to do it. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, it's priceless. Anyway, uh, Dane, where can people find out more about you? About.me slash Dane Christensen. Excellent. And that tells, that tells uh, everything people need to know? They're going to find out way more than they want to know. Wow. Yeah, we should totally do that. <laughs> Hit that one while it's hot, people. Megan Strand, where would, people, uh, where would people go to find more about you? I'm on the Twitter at Megan Strand, and my website and blog is... Wait for it. Do it. Bring it. it Bring comes- the rain. Dot com, which yeah. is I N C O U R A G E D dot com. By the way, you got a uh, an email uh, from a, a Zambian tourist authority looking for a link exchange. <laughs> so we can talk about we can talk about that offline. Bring it, bring it. <laughs> uh, that I am Pete Wright. You can find me at about dot me slash. Pete Wright, uh, everything you could possibly want to know about me. And the show, you can head over to thenakedmarketers.com where you can uh, check out the show notes, links to videos that we talk about on the show, and make sure you click on the subscribe button to go subscribe in iTunes so that you can make sure you don't miss a single week of Naked Marketing Goodness. On behalf of Dane Christensen and Megan Strand, I'm Pete Wright. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week on another episode of The Naked Marketers. Goodbye.